everybody, welcome back to We and You, where we talk about the Kentucky Commission on Human Rights and a little bit about what's going on in our area. I am Terrence Sullivan. And I'm Brittany Cook. Say it like that. I don't know. I, I just got like a little nervous all of a sudden. <laughs> I feel like, I mean, it's been what, like three weeks since I've recorded with you. Uh, and I recorded for another podcast last week. Sure. But... We're broadcasting from beautiful downtown Louisville here in the historic Hayburn building. Hey, everybody. Guess who's back? Back, back. Back again. Back again. <laughs> Brittany's, Brittany's back. back. <laughs> Tell your friends. <laughs> that's a, that's as far as we can go without having to pay on them. So. <laughs> oh <ahead>. yeah. <laughs> but yes, Brittany has rejoined us. So yeah. Hi. I've missed y'all. Have you Did though? You know? <laughs> <laughs> um. So yeah. Uh. Today. We have our very, we're very happy to have Brittany back. We've had a little bit of a hiatus and then life happens. And so now we are reunited and it feels so good. And then that's the end. I will say though, I am, I feel like my uh, quote unquote step in, I don't know, like Lee blew it out of the water. I mean, this is her jam. So yeah. I wasn't surprised, but <laughs> I will say it kind of encouraged me to realize that I need to pick up my game. <laughs> so do you know what, what it is when someone has a ringer? Yeah. So, yeah. Lee was like the ringer. We brought in a professional and <laughs> pretended that it was like a new thing. But no, she's been doing it for a while and it shows. Mm -hmm. We are still newbies. Um, yeah. And so... <laughs> It, it's like we went to play pickup basketball and LeBron was there. And yeah, like we're not bad, but we're not that. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's something to aspire to. So, so Lee, yeah. if you're listening to this, I hope you are. We aspire to be you. Yes, we do. <laughs> um, so yeah, today is really a conversation about... Uh, really an amalgamation of things and I really want to say everything <laughs> but what we wanted to talk about was just some of the things going on here locally and really how that plays into some of the things that we like to discuss and really just putting it out there some of the goings on I like saying things where I can add the S prior to like attorneys general or goings on <laughs> I know that's weird whatever <laughs> no I feel like that's totally Kentucky <laughs> no that's no that's d the opposite that's Kroger's oh no 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 not in that way that no way. no not adding not adding s's to things that aren't supposed to I mean using the proper English for how you would say okay. words um like instead of saying what are the things that are going on? It would be the goings on in that locale. <laughs> <laughs> all right, all right, I'll give yeah. you that. Not Kroger's. Good. Lord, it's okay. No. You know, I I got my high school education in Alabama, so <laughs> I'm gonna pass off that I don't know too much about proper English. <laughs> yeah, and you weren't even in the cool Alabama. You weren't in Greenbelt with Forrest Gump, so. <laughs> But do you know anything about shrimp boats? Um, that they exist. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's about all I know, except I know all the different variations of shrimp, though. <laughs> because of Forrest Gump. Of course. Shrimp salad, shrimp stew, shrimp on a stick, sauteed <laughs> shrimp. No, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> you were going to get us in so much trouble for... Copyrights? 
Yes. <laughs> Man, I, was, I got nervous to say it because I was like, if I say it, is, there, is it going to like ping something? Is it like a hashtag over here? Yeah, there's a, there's a triggering mechanism somewhere that's like, <laughs> wait. That's why I have a little timer. It's like, all right, this is just short enough of a song where we don't have to pay for it. Or like I like to say to you, the episode of 30 Rock where they were talking. Yeah. Yes. It's just, yeah. Anyway. <laughs> Speaking in song, dub song. <laughs> yeah. For today, um, I think you had talked about, before we went on, about Mayor Fisher, Greg Fisher in Louisville, his new uh, executive order. So I, I, I saw it. I saw the press conference, but I'm not familiar with everything that's in it yet. So if you can share, and then we can talk about that, I think that will be really illustrative for some folks i was trying to say the word folks i never say folks so i'm trying to teach myself to say it <laughs> yeah so um mayor fisher announced an executive order yesterday I'm not sure which say days on here i don't know uh, it, was, it was yesterday for us but it may have been two months ago for you <laughs> <laughs> Not that long. Um, so essentially, he announced an executive order um, regarding racism as a health issue and um, mapped out this plan for how to, I guess, acknowledge and try to dismantle, you know, I love that word, um, racism. And so there's different goals and action steps, and it's pretty um, pretty descriptive in some aspects. Um, but I wanted to just kind of run those by you, Terrence, and, and see what you think. Let's um, go. Yeah, I'm good with that. I think that will be good. <laughs> oh, I am out of practice. I'm saying um enough for, like, you know, first-time public speaking over here. So the first <laughs> goal on out. here... <laughs> You what? Well, we can cut them out. It's fine. Or we can say, <laughs> we can just do all the ums to where it sounds like a regular word and then it doesn't stand out. Um, so, um, you know, um. <laughs> Get out of here. So the first goal in here is to reimagine public safety. Um, an executive order, this is, to reimagine public safety by working with the community and Louisville Metro Police Department on reform so that every Louisvillian feels safe and secure in every corner of Louisville and police are community-oriented, accountable, and transparent guardians. So does it say how that's achieved or that's just the goal? Uh, so on the action <laughs> steps, uh, the first one is being to recruit our chief of police that can help build a culture of guardianship and corresponding budget reallocation. Oh, budget reallocation. Hmm. Mm -hmm. that sounds there, there's no sub note on there, <laughs> <laughs> which I found interesting. But the, the concept is a, we're going to re recruit a good chief Mm -hmm. And B. And then to have a top to bottom review of the police department. I feel like, uh, speaking from experience, I feel like the top to bottom review should come before you have a new person. Um, just so they know what they're stepping into and then can plan accordingly on how to make the proper changes. Um, does it say those are in order or is that just these are the three things we want to do you know it doesn't say that it's in a specific order and there are a couple of other things um noted quite a bit actually under promoting the mental health and wellness of police officers but um wait what yeah promoting the yeah. mental health of health and wellness of police officers okay but so, off the top, I'm kind of getting the feeling that is this to help assist with racial inequities in Louisville as a community or as a pretty large p 
policed community. Because as we know, we are one of the cities in the nation that allocates the most of our city budget toward policing. Huh. I I, I have a, a few thoughts or questions even. Um, the first part I'm still struggling with in the idea of moving, uh, focusing on mental health and welfare of officers and not that, that that's very important um but okay. I, I i wonder if there's something missing there on the people with whom those officers interact and a focus on the mental health of them um and maybe that's addressed further on so i can't really critique it on that but just that was my first thought was you you can't address an issue on one side um there, right. there needs to be investment on both ends in order to have a, an actual or a more better realized end result. Um, so that was my first thought on that. And then... Yeah, so... Oh, go no, ahead. No, go ahead. I, I just, like, off the top, you know, from what you just said, had the example that would be, to me, like, if I was in a domestic violence relationship and the person that had been abusing me went to therapy and was doing well. Right. And like learned about themselves mm -hmm. and was trying to heal through it and then came back to me and thought that we could just jump back into this relationship, but I haven't healed myself yep. from the abuse of them. Then that's still not going to be a good relationship. Right. And I, I think that's a great analogy to that because it, it that's that's all of it you have to address both ends of the spectrum because in your in your example if that person comes back and they're like i've been working on myself and i'm good where you're like well i you know i still need to there still needs to be some work on this end or we either will be in the same spot or you there might be some resentment there like i've changed why haven't you like th that's I don't know. It's it's difficult because there has to be that mutual understanding of where the other is. And I think it's great that there's going to be that front end focus um, on getting better mind, better mental um, workouts <laughs> for people in law enforcement. But we also need to help people who have been especially negatively impacted heal and under get some level of understanding to where when you do have that more thoughtful and more reasoned law enforcement person in your community you accept them as part of your community and not uh, as someone who is a detriment to your community but someone to embrace and welcome in and so being able to understand that there have been some some changes so just my one and a half cents there. I don't even think it was smart enough to count as my two cents. So, uh, yeah. So the next goal is to support children and families um, using one of the new, more newly built nonprofits, uh, Evolve Five Hundred Two to provide every child with wraparound personal supports and a college scholarship to our Jefferson Community and Technical College or Simmons College with an emphasis on black and low income pavilions. So run that by me again, sorry. So essentially it's the announcement they made a couple of months ago where oh, okay. Um, basically anybody in Louisville within, their, within a certain income, I think it was, um, was going to be eligible for a scholarship to one of our local. Yeah. Hmm. I, I, and again, I think that's, that's great. And that's a good partnership, um, to have and leads to a great training, but also increases the diversity of your talent pool. Um, mm -hmm. I, I I don't I don't think there's any issue with that. I think there, as with anything, there are more steps that can be taken. Obviously, um, I think it just 
I think that's a positive step, and that's a real that's a big step also for Simmons, to be honest. Um, really getting out there, and that's a testament to the people there um, at the at the college to one that we have or the administration and UFL and others have that type of respect and confidence in the training that they would receive. So I, I think that's great. And yeah, I think it's great too. Sorry. No, no, go ahead. Uh, I think it's great too. I, you know, Simmons is one of our nationally uh, most affordable schools to attend also. So I definitely think that that could be helpful in general with any costs that might not be included in what they're looking at covering for these scholarships. Mm -hmm. But I do uh, just have a lot. And I think some of this comes from my training as a case manager and mental health provider. I have a lot of questions about what wraparound services mean for them. Um, And also somebody that lives in the city, but in one of the poorer neighborhoods that has consistently terrible internet service. And we're talking about an age when most people even going into college, but much, much less finishing high school are having to deal with constant internet access as their main form of learning and their main access to education. So what as a city are we even going to do with that essentially basic need now almost is what it has become um, in order to make sure that we can get these students to a place where they can then take advantage of the scholarship. I no, 100%. First, that was a, a great, great timing for you to bring that up because that was right after you were um, discussion lagged a little bit because of the internet. <laughs> um, but uh, on a more serious note, I, I think that it's time that we have the conversation about internet access or broadband or whatever. I hate saying broadband because it just sounds, I don't know. Um, but just internet access in general as a utility, because it really is, and it should be handled the same way that we do electric and water and all of that to where there's some more, more access points for all people. Um, because it's such a necessity at this point that we need to have that easy or streamlined access and people don't have that um i am fortunate to live in a neighborhood that doesn't have connectivity issues but i previously lived in a neighborhood with connectivity issues and it felt like i don't know it felt like dial up and i know that that sounds dramatic and it's like oh well at least you can still connect yes but then when you have things that demand higher speeds and Mm -hmm. access to doing those things, or you have more than one person, as you know, trying to use the services, it it creates a strain when you don't have that regulated full power behind whatever you're doing. And I think that it's beyond time to create some way to recognize internet access, high-speed internet access as a utility. And mm-hmm. I think what you were just saying is really a strong reason why if if learning is going digital so much, then it says, well, if you live in such and such a neighborhood, your learning's not as important, so you know, mm-hmm. figure it out um and and this was already an issue pre-NTI. You had many children that were being sent home with homework that required them to get access to an, the internet. And they might not have even had it, or at least not easy access. Or maybe they needed to go to the library, but the library is not walking distance or, or they're not in a safe enough neighborhood to walk there by themselves that they have to. And so I think it just brings into light even further something that Really, we should have been addressing a long time ago. Right. And I, I I would have loved, and maybe we can start the movement right now. I would have loved for this to, any of this really to be some partnership with our corporate people 
corporate people, that's not a thing. I'm, this is not Citizens United. The corporate entities that exist in our area to um, create, to recognize it as a utility. It would be great if LG&E works with, I don't know, AT&T, uh, Spectrum, I guess Spectrum probably, uh, just someone, and they worked out a way where LG&E runs, runs some of the utility function of it with the services being provided by AT&T or Spectrum or something like that, but it's all coordinated and there's a centralized approach and you, anyone who can be near an electric line is also connected to some internet option and then it's regulated as such and you log on or you do however you pay water and electric and whatever and say okay this is this is the internet for the month and it's something that's more static and doesn't fluctuate that way it doesn't hurt people who can't afford fluctuating prices because of use but mm -hmm. something that's just a little bit more consistent but also increase availability we'll start mm -hmm. we'll start in your neighborhood how's that <laughs> Look, <laughs> bring it on. And fluctuating prices is a thing in itself, too. I mean, I'm paying the same amount that I paid in the last neighborhood I lived in for much less internet just because <laughs> that's the most that is allotted. What's gross? In terms of gigabytes or whatever yeah. the heck it is in this space. <laughs> What's really gross is you pay more than I do. Oh, yeah, I'm sure. That's not right. Um, like, certain neighborhoods they have gigabit internet now and then other neighborhood and it's not crazy expensive and then other neighborhoods you have half that speed and it's either the same price or more and that doesn't make sense mm -hmm. um and i mean i'm not in telecommunications i don't know what it costs to run whatever line but on my end as the consumer it doesn't make sense uh it it, it just doesn't add up that the better product is cheaper it's i was looking and this is just an aside but kind of comparative in my head i was looking at tvs for black friday and cyber monday and it didn't make sense to me that there was a 70 inch version of a 65 inch tv that was cheaper than the 70 was cheaper than the 65 and i was like huh that doesn't seem right, but it's a great deal, but it doesn't seem right. I think I might want the 65 because maybe there's a reason. Uh, but at the same time, it's just like, why, why can that happen for something that people need? Like, I don't need a TV. I don't need a bigger TV. My TV's big enough. I didn't end up buying any because it's a waste of money and I, you know, mine's big enough. But it's just, it's interesting to me that something that people need can be so inconsistent like that. And it very disparately impacts people who don't have the money or the mobility to relocate to somewhere with the better and cheaper options. And that, that gets into a whole nother thing that we've talked about a few times about even like similar to food access where you can go to uh gosh you can go to a different kroger's <laughs> no going to a different kroger and comparing the availability of basic items and they might be more expensive where people have fewer options and less money and mm -hmm. it, it's it's not right it's not fair and I feel like we do that with a lot of things. And so telecommunications and internet access is one of them. And so if we want people, students to be able to learn digitally, um, then we have to make it an equitable option in how you access that. Yeah, so talking about equity sidebar, if you don't mind, can I put in a little plug right now? Is that okay? Can nope, forbidden. <laughs> <laughs> I'll let you delete it later then. It's okay. Uh, so 
uh, Black Market Kentucky just opened, and I'm so, so, so very excited about this because this is a black-owned grocer that is setting up their design to be equitable. And so when you're ordering from them, one, you're ordering from black businesses um, and farmers and two you're also able to order as a neighbor which would be a person either in the area typically west end of Louisville or um, also a person of color that's ordering can order as a neighbor or you order as accomplice (laughs) I like how they use that screw the ally analogy or accomplices at this point Um, accomplices to change essentially and um, you pay more for the same products And it's to help offset the cost because we know that equitable grocery shopping doesn't exist in the city right now. And so they're trying to um, offset those overhead costs that are typically seen by people, mostly people in the West End, but also other people of color, um, depending on, you know, what they're making, what their income looks like, but also the neighborhoods that we often see a higher ratio of people of color in. So thank you, Black Market Kentucky, for that. Yeah, I'm not going to delete that. That's great. (laughs) It is so good. That's a good plug. (laughs) It's so good. You are listening to We and You here on Forward Radio 106.5 FM and forwardradio.org. Let's, let's keep going through this. We're, we're almost there. There's only a couple more. Oh, no. Actually, there's a few more. Let me see. I'm going to... Uh, this, this could be a, a one and done, though, with, with two goals. So one of them is to increase Black employment, and the next is to build Black wealth. Whoop, <laughs> um, You know, off the top, I, I love the the thought behind increasing black employment to look more like what the population looks like. So right now it says, you know, for professional managerial and technical jobs, we're at 6%. Um, But, you know, our, our Louisville community is 22% black. So why are we not meeting those markers? However, Terrence, you know that we've also come across some situations where we've talked to companies that will complain that they have openings in their employment, (laughs) but it's because they're looking at certain standardized regulations for who they will employ. Um, The short example that I'll throw in here. (laughs) I like that you said standardized and not arbitrary because I go (laughs) arbitrary on some of these. If someone can, yeah, (laughs) arbitrary is not a bad word. It's just they're literally arbitrary in the true definition of arbitrary. Because if someone can do a job and do that job well, you by preventing them from doing that job because of some pre uh, pre selected guideline, that's arbitrary. Or I'll even use a a vocab word that's capricious. Yeah, so I'll let you, you know, talk more about this piece, but like the example I was going to use, you're well aware of, we recently came across a company that had complained about having 600 open jobs here in Louisville, Um, and they had accepted, or I'm sorry, they had sent an offer to someone that they were going to employ uh, for a customer service position. This person has 18 years of customer service position under their belt, including team lead and managerial work um, within customer service. And they, the company then came back and rescinded the offer stating that it was because the person did not have a high school diploma or GED. AKA arbitrary. (laughs) (laughs) No, I, it's mind blowing. It's, and that's, 
that's where we are. Um, there are so many, especially right now with so many people out of work and we're going to create arbitrary barriers for people for um, these positions and have no real justification because like you said, that person had tons of experience. They were overqualified for that, for that position. Yeah. And they were not, then they had the offer rescinded for that reason. And the definition of arbitrary is something based on random choice or personal whim rather than any reason or system. And I think at least in this situation, and in similar situations, this is definitely something that's a personal whim or a preset random standard because if a person has, that person's experience would be graduating high school. Like that's how much experience yeah. they have. I mean, didn't you learn about <laughs> customer service in high school? And so like 18, that's a long time. That's an adult. And so yes. saying, oh, but this thing, this credential that we say that we require for no no reason at all um because it's not precluding you from being able to do that job it's we're creating barriers that don't need to be there aka arbitrary (laughs) (laughs) yeah and so that's something too you know if we're looking at increasing black employment we also need employers to increase their understanding of black people and black communities we need to stop policing language yeah. and actions yes. and hair. <laughs> and so, you know, I'd love to see the increase. I, But part of me reads that and my stomach hurts with the thought of what that means for what Black people are now going to be exposed to in the workplace. What do you mean? Like I said, so, you know, we have, you have, um, a lot of policing of language. There's mm-hmm. certain, uh, arbitrary, uh, professional standards of how somebody <laughs> is supposed to speak, how you're supposed to speak to each other, what's excitable versus what's anger versus yep. what's too loud, you know, on, um, and <sighs> we also have continued policing of hair. Like we've seen plenty of headlines out there of people not getting jobs because they have dreads. As a black person, that should be completely acceptable. However, you want to wear your hair. That is a that is definitely a topic on my mind at times, as we've discussed. I do not. Well, I've wanted to have my hair different for a very long time, but I knew for the profession in which I entered, I had to keep my hair short and clean and get it cut every two weeks, which is not cheap. Um, but there's this. And we can have a whole nother episode on hair. I think that'd be great. Let's do it. Um, uh, let's do it. Yeah. I, we have some people we can call. Oh, let's do it. Um, <laughs> but there's plenty uh, of, there are plenty of things that you are subject to in the workplace. Uh, we have these conversations with complaints that come into the office. It's like, well, was that discrimination? Because they didn't over. Yes, it was. Um, because <laughs> it's it's something that you wouldn't subject someone else to, which is the definition of like disparate treatment. So, no, I think you're right that in again, like we started, we talked about at the beginning, there's front end and back end. So if we're going to increase um, people being in the workplace, we also need to, like you said, increase understanding of cultural understanding is important because you might think oh that's not a very professional hairstyle well this is how my hair grows dude like it's a lot more work to like that's how your hair grows this is how mine grows um it's a lot more of a stressor to have to worry about how everything you do is interpreted by others and Mm -hmm. excited or excitable versus angry or um a very common one is being considered difficult um it it just those types of things uh, people in the workplace need to be made a little bit more aware of and so i think that's Mm -hmm. it's great that you recognize that so hopefully 
um, Miss Accomplice. Uh, <laughs> that's something that's really more understood widely in the future. Yeah, absolutely. And it, it reminds me, so I, I just finished up, um, which is a really easy listen, an audiobook, Austin Cheating Brown's I'm Still Here. Um, and I, it just kind of reminds me of something that she came back to over and over again, which was acknowledging that not only is it an issue to have to deal with these standardized white or arbitrary, I'm keeping that now, uh, white norms in the workplace, but also when it comes down to how often supervisors will address their black employees whenever they're upset about these norms and act like it's their fault for not being patient enough of people's growth or not seeing the quote unquote progress that has been in place because it's not progress to say that we're working on dismantling racism in 2020. Sorry, forgot what year it was for a moment. Well, again, you never know when someone listens to this. It could be 2021 (laughs) by then. We're only a month away. Well, crap, we're less than a month away. Oh, my gosh. We are. I know. But, like, it's not not progress to say that we're working on figuring that out now because it should have never existed to begin with. You're right. No, I, I think that's a very valid point in that, that does remind me of something else I wanted to talk to you about, but we might be, we can jump to it now if you want, um, or we can circle back, but just talking about planning and doing things and just the general sense of people who are intent on planning. Yeah. Okay. So let's talk about that. You know, if anybody wants to read more on this and uh, catch us on Twitter at human rights, KY, feel free to, you can pull up these, this uh, goal and action plan. It's called the advancing racial equity for black Louisville um, on LouisvilleKY.gov. So feel free to, to jump in on that and let us know if you want to talk about more, but let's hear what Terrence has to say on planning. Uh, Yeah. So just what you said made me think about planning and there, there was a conversation this weekend on Twitter, um, which is where most conversations are had these days, uh, at least non nuanced, very specific conversations. Um, but the conversation was around the thought of uh, one, this plan coming out, but also, um, the thought that the mayor or someone was going to put together a group to come up with a plan. Um, and that rubbed quite a few people the wrong way, including myself, even though I initially voiced it very poorly and people misunderstood what I was even saying, but there is a point where you stop planning and do something. And there are plenty of people who have been doing a, doing the work and who have been doing it for a long time and have been impacted and have all of these resources and all of these thoughts. And it's like, if we do this, then this can happen. And there's been this growing sentiment, even now with everything that's going on to, oh, we should study that or we should do, we should make a plan around doing this thing or we should, let's make a plan to make a plan of a plan and that's basically what you hear uh, in some communities is there's always this let's make a plan which that sounds so forward thinking and not in the good way because it's great to be forward thinking but when you are talking about an issue that people are facing now saying oh let's make a plan when there are people who have answers right now, let's just listen to them first. Yes. And let's get to action. Let's get to work. And <laughs> I, I, I was told, gosh, last week, talking about similar issues. Well, some people want to hear or find the answers from a trusted source. And that really frustrated me because people's lives 
don't need to have some partisan filter on who is saying what it is. And I personally trust, uh, we'll go back to our ringer LeBron James. If we're at the basketball court and there are two people there and I ask LeBron James, how does that person's game look who's playing right now? And he's like, oh, I think they're good. And then you ask random person who you might know or who you're friendly with, hey, you know, what do you think about that person? Oh, I think that person's a terrible basketball player. I trust LeBron. He lives basketball. Mm -hmm. And there are people who would rather go to their quote-unquote trusted sources for information on something where they're not really part of it. Mm-hmm. And that's that's where there's a large disconnect on any forward progress because there are people who, uh, even well-intentioned people who are saying, I want to do a study. I want to dive in a little more is what they say. I want to learn and I'm listening. Yeah, you can listen and work at the same time. We do it every day. <laughs> uh, but like get to work basically is the, the I can shut up now, but that's pretty much where we should go with that is stop. There's a point when you stop planning and get to work. You can always continue. There's most professions have some type of continued learning option. Um, some have continued learning requirements and that's not to say you never learned, but there are other things to learn so you can learn and plan, but you also can start doing the work right now. And so Mm -hmm. We don't, I don't know, I think that that's something that people need to get a little bit more ingrained into their heads is we need to start working. Absolutely. Well, and to, like you said, know your time too. Like you you have to know when you're most impactful. Even with organizers, you'll read about how, you know, you only typically see protests through certain times, certain seasons of the year because at other times, it's it's not safe, right? It's it gets more dangerous uh, due to weather, um, and so organizers will take that time to kind of recoup, almost like little sabbaticals. Let's look at some more research that's already be, been done because there's plenty of that, um, and let's make some more plans of things that haven't been done. So then we know when our period of action is. No, I think that's perfectly right. Um, just there's space to learn and grow, but there's more space to do something. And that's really what we need to focus more on. And that kind of brings me to the last thing that I want to talk about today. Um, the courier, the local newspaper, shout out to the CJ, um, is doing a, a long series on, addressing racism and what they're doing is there are two main reporters who are asking people questions and doing the listening but they're trying to create a narrative that other people who may not be aware understand and I do I applaud them because I think that's important and I shared this with one of the reporters on working on this is uh, the same conversation I had where they were talking about they needed their trusted sources for what's happening. Um, There's also, there was conversation, and I'll I'll also include, I'm reading President Obama's recent book, and he talks about this when he was working in downstate Illinois about people who may have, you would have thought they would have hated him or would not listen to him, but he also did say there were plenty who just had never really had the opportunity to learn from someone like him. Um, Mm -hmm. And there are plenty of people who they, they aren't racist. They aren't anti anything, but they don't have the exposure or they haven't really heard the narrative or the explanation that connects to them yet. And so as bad as this might sound, 
um, some people need it's better sometimes for some people to be told about things in a way that they understand maybe from people they relate more to and I said to the reporter I'm grateful that this white woman is doing a story based on talking to black people and and offering that space for black people to also contribute and just providing that platform for exposition of what's happening. And it might reach some people who just haven't quite grasped it yet. And I, they're going to do stories, um, narratives, just different interviews, uh, observation, and asking some people to contribute. Um, and I say that as a person who is going to be part of that. I recently wrote something for it. Um, so that's not like a plug or promotion, but just saying that they're asking people um, to participate in this, to highlight things that are going on. And honestly, in my piece, I said pretty much what I just said earlier about getting like doing the work and stop, stop just talking about listening and planning, but actually doing the work, but then offering up some suggestions on how to do that. But I also wanted to start that with highlighting that there, there's been a lot already done and people just need to go to that resource and open it. There's, there was a mm -hmm. path forward that was released three months ago by black community leaders and it's great and has plenty of great ideas that are actionable and we should just do that right now and we'd be not good because that's going to take a long time, but we'd be going in a great direction. And so opening that up for more people and exposing that for more people I think is important even if it's even if it ends up being a little filtered I mean it's upcoming so I don't know what it's going to look like um, but mm -hmm. it's still giving some people that door to understanding and that's what we need is that door and so if you reach 10,000 people who were like oh huh I never really thought of it that way I'm going to read next week what they talk about like that's a start. And so I am grateful that they're doing that. Yeah, I am too. That's really, really great. So yeah, hopefully I'll have an idea of when that's going to be in print or when they're going to start sometime soon. I don't know if the, if it's still up, but what they were doing is they created a Google, a Google poll where anyone could go to that link and talk about their thoughts what they see and what are some possible solutions. And they offered that space. It might still be up. I'm not positive. If it is, we can post a link to it on our Twitter um, and our Twitters <laughs> uh, and post that. Um, so people, if it's still open, can contribute whatever they are thinking are some solutions and some issues that they see. I think that's a great idea. Maybe we could even post it up on our webpage as well. Oh, the link. That would be great. Let's yeah. do it. <laughs> the, the website needs some, some updating anyway. I know. Some TLC. We're going to try to figure that out at some so, point. <laughs> yeah. You said TLC, sorry. <laughs> I was actually doing the opposite of what you were talking about. So I, I've been avoiding making a plan to adjust the website so then I had nowhere to go with action <laughs> on it so I think I need to step back and make a plan on that one there is a middle ground <laughs> anyway um yeah I, I I do think that it's it, it is really important that we we do acknowledge that even if it's not everything that we had hoped um or everything that we hope for it is great that the mayor and his administration is putting together that plan because mm -hmm. we do still need plans um, but yeah. as long as there are accompanying actions that go with it that's where it's really important and then again just it's good to be more focused on the, doing things but we still need to do them mm -hmm. and, and speak to your community right yeah. like See what it is that they feel like they want and that they need and how things can transition best for them. Because most folks could actually probably tell you if, if you sat down with your community and said, how can I help make this better for you? Yep. They know. 
because they, like you said, they live it, right? That's their life. And if anything, if anything comes from these conversations, I hope that it's people learn that you don't, your friend as the source is not as accurate always as the expert on the issue. Even if you don't love some of the other work that they do or some of the other things that they do, they know about that issue. And so listening to people who understand that issue is important. And just coming full circle of our three topics, um, that's one of the things that I think is cool about the Couriers Project is they have an open forum, literally, um, for people to voice what they see and feel and hear and all those senses. And that's important on creating some basic understanding. So... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> with that i'm very happy that you are back miss Brittany. me too and hopefully the next time we won't be on zoom with the broadband issues <laughs> <laughs> hey we've had some folks reach out and say they like recordings i haven't figured out if that's something we should try to do yet but like video recordings too uh, that's a lot of pressure. i know <laughs> i was like you know and i'll be honest on the air right now we make a lot of faces towards each other while we're recording <laughs> so i don't know if i need people trying to read us <laughs> i actually like that part of it they can see me. Uh, I like it too. I don't know that I want to expose it. <laughs> no, people can see me trying to make you laugh. Uh, anyway, um, thank you for a good conversation, and we will be back next week, maybe to talk. Well, I'm not even going to say to talk about hair, but hopefully, we talk about that soon. But, That'll be exciting. Yeah, yeah, let's let's figure that out and get somebody on. Let's yeah, let's do that. So until next time. <laughs> Bye. The music you hear throughout this recording was produced by Esquire Music alongside Spice Productions. We are independent, not-for-profit, listener-sponsored, volunteer-powered, community radio, and we rely on your contributions to stay on air. Please go to forwardradio.org, click participate to get behind these microphones, and click donate if you like what you're hearing and want to help sustain it. Consider sponsoring an entire day's broadcast with a gift of just $20 to Forward Radio.